Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. And before we get started, I want to begin with a few items that I usually end with, but they just seem to fit better in the beginning of this one instead of at the end. So I'm going to get rid of all my fluff at the end and put my fluff at the beginning, and then we're just going to get into the topic and finish there. So bear with me here. I'm a quick talker, so this will be pretty fast, ladies. I am just getting back home recently and settled in after quite a bit of time away with my husband. We have been heading down to uh, Orlando every January, and we also look forward to attending the G3 conference, which stands for Gospel, Grace, and Glory, but it's down in Atlanta. So it's sort of the instigator that gets us moving south. And the topic this year was worship, and we heard sessions from Cody Bacham and Steve Lawson and Paul Washer and Tim Challies and John MacArthur and so many others. Josh Bice puts it on, and it is just an excellent um, conference, solid theological teaching, good fellowship. Just love being down there. We were with um, quite a bit of our church family this time, a few other people, which was kind of nice. One other thing that went on down there that I want to tell you about that was pretty exciting is that Daryl and Virgil from the Just Thinking podcast were down there and they did a live podcast episode from the conference. Just Thinking is an excellent podcast, ladies. It's besides G3, it's maybe my other resource I'm recommending. Check it out. Um, Obviously, I'll link to all this in the show notes. But again, this um, conference, it's just really jam-packed so gospel focused. If you can ever swing it to attend it, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of families there with children. I don't, I don't know the kids rate if the kids are free under a certain age. I don't know how that works, but you'd have to check it out on the website. But the next conference isn't until 2021. Feels really weird saying that, doesn't it? feel like I'm in the Jetsons era or something. (laughs) So it, but it's going to be in October now and not January. And the conference is going to be every other year. And as I'm saying all this, you don't have to remember all this. I'm going to link to all that in the show notes. And as soon as the uh, conference sessions come out from this year, because they put them for free on their website, I'll make sure to send that out to my email subscribers. And I'm sure I'll share it all over social media and just even um, make a note of it on a future podcast. So you kind of remember if you forgot about it. So I also, this was very fun. I did get to meet some ladies in person from the Thankful Homemaker Facebook group, which I just love that. That was really a sweet treat for me. So I'm going to give a shout out to Emily and Marla and Stephanie. They were down there with me. Hello, friends. I'm waving at you from here. Um, I really loved getting in person time to chat with them and just sharing each other's stories. And um, that was just a real treat for me. So As I'm saying this, it's making me think about our lovely Thankful Homemaker Facebook group, which I just love. And I want to thank my ladies who have been a huge help for me in caring for the group. We are almost at 2,000 ladies in it. So it takes a lot to just um, 
take care of the group and the needs and the questions and how to filter through things. There's a lot to it, ladies, and we want it to be a group that is edifying and encouraging and solid theologically. So I want to give a huge shout out to my ladies who help with that. So my Laura and Miranda and Jen and Michelle and Jennifer and my Amber. She's my daughter, and I'm not sure she has a choice but to help me in the group. (laughs) So I really love you, my Amber. Um, And again, ladies, if you're on Facebook and you have not joined, please do. I really think you'd be encouraged by the group and you'd be a blessing to it because you'd be an encouragement to the other women. And just when there's questions or issues or things we're asking, everybody comes in with their insight. And that is a help, maybe in an area that others of us don't know or understand fully. So it's it's not... um, it's all Christ-centered, but it's a lot of practical things too, you know, just how to clean something or something with laundry or just some really quick questions. There's there's other aspects to it. So again, I'm going to link it into the show notes. And remember, if you sign up for the group, there's a couple quick questions you need to answer before we can add you to it. So also, if you're, because um, we get this a lot, if you're adding, like inviting friends to the group, you might want to let them know that. Like if you're not seeing them in the group, it's probably because they're not answering the question. So just so you know that ahead of time, ladies. Okay. And one more quick item before we start. I'm not a rambler and I'm rambling with you today and I'm really sorry, but it's just so good to be back here. It's only been a month, but it feels like I've been missing from you guys for like a year. So you guys have been so good to me with reviews and ratings on iTunes and you need to know that I read every one of them and they are such an encouragement to me. Like, I want to cry sometimes. You ladies are so sweet with me. And because of those reviews, many others are coming across the podcast. So I'm so thankful for you all for the time you have taken to do that. I truly am just grateful to the Lord for each and every one of you that are here. It is a huge blessing to me and an encouragement in my walk. And as I always say, I'm here. I'm just learning alongside you. You're kind of getting what the Lord continues to teach me and work on me. And I know in a lot of ways, because we're women and we're human and we're most of us, we are believers here, we're dealing with the same issues. And it's just great to have people to walk alongside with. So I'm grateful for each and every one of you. And I feel like I'm going to cry here. Okay. So before I cry, let's get to the topic today. And this is a really great topic, ladies, and it's a podcast of my own that I probably am going to need to re-listen to periodically again and again as a good reminder. But we're going, and when you listen to it again now, you could just fast forward through all this. That's what's really cool about podcasts, all right? So we're like probably six minutes in. So let's get to the topic today. It's going to be a long one. You may need to break it up. You may want to listen to this whole thing, but it's going to be um, a little longer topic today than normal for me. So bear with me on this and um, offer me much grace on this, but I think I didn't want to break it into two. It didn't work well, so I want to keep it all in one episode. We're going to walk through what it means to preach the gospel to ourselves. Um The show notes for this one are going to be a bit more traditional the way I used to do them because I have a couple longer blog posts that I've already wrote about this topic and I'm going to link to them. So if you want to read more about what I'm sharing today, you can do that at the blog. Um, I'll link to those particular posts in the show notes of this episode. So as I'm saying this, I don't know if I'm going to put them in the show notes all 
on the iTunes, but for sure, they will all be at the blog. So at thankfulhomemaker.com, you can find them there in the show notes. Okay, so I'm going to dig in because we have a lot to cover today. And what I'm sharing with you today has had a very huge impact on my own life. And to summarize it, and I'm going to reiterate this again at the end, because if you only remember one thing today, I want it to be this truth, ladies. God's blessing as believers, those of us in Christ, does not depend on our performance. So let's talk about what it means to preach the gospel to ourselves. It's a term we've all heard and we all agree with, but deep down, we're like, okay, what does that really look like? I'm here with you, ladies. I've heard this in the past, and I was always like, what does that mean? Or what? how does that practically lived out in my life? How do I make that practical in my day-to-day life when my marriage is really hard, or my kids are out of control, or there's illness in my family, or I'm stuck in a sinful pattern, or the house is in chaos, and I don't even know where to begin. The reality I want us to remember is we are always saying something to ourselves in our minds. Maybe not verbally walking around talking out loud. We may be doing that, but for the most part, we're always speaking to ourselves. And whether it was Paul Tripp or um, I want to say D. Martin Lloyd-Jones also said it, but especially in those moments when there's chaos or there's difficulty, what I want us to remember is where is it centered? Is it centered on the truths of God's word when we're talking to ourselves? Or are we buying into the lies of the world? Martin Lloyd-Jones said, have you realized that most of unhappiness in your life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? So let's go back again. We need to be talking to ourselves and not just listening to ourselves, but what do we need to be talking to ourselves about? All right, first, we need to realize we can't talk to ourselves about the gospel if we don't know the gospel or if we haven't believed upon the gospel. The best way we're going to get to know God and what he has done for us through Christ is to spend time in the word of God. I want to walk through the gospel together with you today because this is an important starting point in our time today. And I know you're thinking right now, you're like, Marcy, I'm a believer. Why do I need to hear the gospel again? I understood it at salvation, but now my life is all about growing and being a disciple and battling my sin and studying God's word and yada, yada, yada. Um, There's much truth in that, but it still has to be grounded in what Christ has done for us and to us. Again, it has to be grounded in what Christ has done for us and to us. When we don't have a full understanding of the gospel, when we don't understand the riches and the glory of it, We can't preach it to ourselves, and we can't live by it in our daily lives. The gospel is not just a message for unbelievers. This is a really huge misunderstanding we have as believers. We need the gospel as well. We need to remind it to ourselves that our standing with God is based on Christ's righteousness and not our performance. We need the gospel to motivate us to strive in our daily experience to be what we are in standing before God. We needed to produce joy in our lives when we encounter trials of living in a sin-cursed and fallen world. And the gospel literally means good news. So what is this good news? Let me walk through the gospel with you. This good news is that the one and only God 
who is holy, made us in his image to know him. But we've sinned. We have thought and said and did things that are not pleasing to God. We have sinned and cut ourselves off from him. And in his great love, God became a man in Jesus. He lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and fulfilled the law himself, taking on himself the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust in him. Jesus rose again from the dead, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice and that God's wrath against us had been exhausted. And he now calls us to repent of our sins and to put our trust in Christ alone for forgiveness. If we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. As I remind us of the gospel, or maybe you're hearing the gospel for the first time, and if you are, I pray you will head to my site. I'm going to link to a longer gospel presentation there with Bible verses to work through, and I pray you will visit there. Or if you're not sure and you're not clear on where you stand with Christ, will you please send me an email? My email is thankfulhomemaker at thankfulhomemaker.com. Pretty simple. Send me a message, either even on um, Instagram, or you can contact me directly at my blog. There's a little email tab in the top of the blog on the right-hand side. I want to hear from you if you are not sure of where you stand before God. And I pray, if this is you, that you're going to stay with me with the hope that the Lord will open your heart to his truth. We're going to go through a lot of God's word together today and in and through our time that you may come to know him in a saving way. Or if you do know him, ladies, if you are in Christ here, my hope is that you and me too, as I'm going through this, will think afresh and more deeply of the gospel. We're going to work with some, we're going to work through some verses together and they're going to be listed in the show notes. But if you're in a place where you can follow along in your Bible or maybe your Bible app on your phone, that would be really great. I'm going to move through them pretty quickly so you can just listen to and then look them up when you get time later on to sit with them. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is an important one and one I'm going to come back to again even later. And it sums up the gospel in this verse. For our sake, he, God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, so for our sake, God did something. And Romans 5.6 tells us, for why we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So ladies, we were weak, unable to do anything. We were ungodly and ignored God. We had no interest in things of the Lord. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were sinners. We all know Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.10 tells us, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We were God's enemies. Ponder that. Did you think of yourself as God's enemy before Christ? I don't know that I would have said that about myself as a non-believer. I believe there was a God, the God I made up in my own mind, 
but I surely wouldn't have called myself an enemy of God. I still would have considered myself to be a pretty good person since I set up my own standard of what that was. We really need to appreciate and grasp these truths. We were helpless sinners, enemies of God. If we don't grasp these truths, we won't appreciate what comes next. We deserved the wrath of God upon us. We deserved death. We deserved hell. I'm going to bring us back to 2 Corinthians 5.21 again. Again, for our sake, God did something. Jesus, who knew no sin, Jesus, who did not have a sin nature to respond to external temptations, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2.22 tells us he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. 1 John 3.5 tells us, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Think about this. Jesus walked and lived and did life among sinners. He had brothers and sisters. He had a family. We can hardly get out of bed without sinning in the morning. (laughs) But yet, doing life among relationships that are difficult and challenging on a daily basis... Jesus walked with the apostles for three years, 24-7, and he asked them, Who among you convicts me of sin? Okay, it wouldn't take my family very long to think of some way that I've sinned against him if I would put that question towards them, sadly. In Matthew 3.17, on the Mount of Transfiguration, God says of Jesus, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus had to be without sin for God to make that statement. Jesus was perfectly obedient to the will of God for 33 years. He was born under the law so that he might fulfill the law, and he did it perfectly. God made Jesus to be sin. Jesus was not a sinner, but God charged all our sin to Christ. I love God's word because as we walk through these verses, we see that the Bible is its own best commentary. Isaiah 53, 6 tells us, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And 1 Peter 2.24 tells us, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. On the cross, God the Father poured out the wrath that we deserved on his own Son for our sake. So, how does God punish the innocent for the guilty? This is something we need to understand, so bear with me as I work through this. I have to give credit to Jerry Bridges on this, and I don't know where I read it or heard it from. These are notes that I'm sharing with you from one of my older journals, but it was a huge help to me in grasping fully what it means to be united to Christ. So make a note, ladies, at some point to read Romans 5, verses 12 through 21. I'm going to put the verses in the show notes, but sit with them when you have time. I'm not going to read them fully here, but I'm going to share a few verses from them. But it's a really important passage to work through. So Adam was appointed as our representative of the whole human race. When he sinned, we all sinned. What Adam did, we did. Romans 5, 12 tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. 
Now we can say, if we are in Christ, what Christ did, we did. There is Adam and Christ, and we are either united to one or the other, but not both. I always love saying, I'm going to say this, and this is a hard truth, because the reality, God's word tells us, we are not all part of God's family until we are in Christ. And the Bible is very clear. And I don't have a verse. I'm just bringing this to my mind at this moment. But it's a good truth to remember that we, once God adopts us, once we are saved and God adopts us as his children, so we are regenerated, we're justified, we're adopted as God's own children. We are now children of God. But before we were children of God, we were children of the devil. And the Bible is very clear on that. I just want to state that. So as it's saying here, there is Adam and there is Christ, and we're united to one or the other, but not both. There's there's no in-between. With salvation, it's black and white. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. Romans 5.17 states, For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus voluntarily assumed our guilt. He died in our place so that we might be forgiven of our sin. Romans 5.19 says, For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So Christ not only died in our place, but before he died, he lived a perfect life in our place. Now, when we trust Christ as Savior, our sins are forgiven because Christ bore the penalty. We are now credited with the perfect righteousness of Christ. I want to reread 2 Corinthians 5.21 again. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what God does, friends. We are granted Christ's righteousness. How does this righteousness become ours? Through faith in Jesus Christ. We abandon any confidence in ourselves and any thought that we are a good person. And we rely on the perfect righteousness of Christ. The Bible's clear. There is no one good. No, not one. Only God is good. God requires 100% absolute perfection. We're not even capable of it. We will never be absolute in our obedience to him. Really, in anything we do, think about that. Our motives are always tainted with self in some way, even when we're doing good things. This is known, what we've just walked through here, as the great exchange. All right, what is the great exchange? It is my sin for his righteousness. And John Piper explains this so clearly, so I want to walk through this with you. He says, we need righteousness to be acceptable to God, but we don't have it. What we have is sin. So God has what we need and don't deserve righteousness, and we have what God hates and rejects, sin. What is God's answer to this situation? His answer is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died in our place and bore our condemnation. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he, God, condemns sin and the flesh. That's from Romans 8.3. Whose flesh bore the condemnation? His. Whose sins were being condemned? 
ours. This is the great exchange. And here it is again. We're going to have this verse memorized by the end of this podcast together. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God lays our sins on Christ and then punishes them in him. And in Christ's obedient death, God fulfills and vindicates his righteousness and imputes or credits is another way to say that it to us, our sin on Christ, his righteousness on us. We can hardly stress too much that Christ is God's answer to our greatest problem. It is all owing to Christ. You can't love Christ too much. You can't think about him too much or thank him too much or depend upon him too much. All our forgiveness, all our justification, all our righteousness is in Christ. This is the gospel, the good news that our sins are laid on Christ and his righteousness is laid on us and that this great exchange becomes ours, not by works, but by our faith alone, which is granted by God, right? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, by grace you have been saved through faith and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So take that all in and even more and take it in daily and multiple times a day. Meditate on the truths of the gospel. So when we live by the gospel, we are firmly grasping that Christ's life and death are ours by virtue of our union with him. What he did, we did. And that's sort of the end there of John Piper's notes. But that's so powerful, ladies, to remember that. Let's look at a couple more verses here. Romans 8, 1, one we all know and need to remind ourselves. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My husband gave an excellent sermon on this verse, and I'm going to link to that in the show notes. And I really recommend you all take a listen to it if you can. Romans 8, 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So those truths by Paul are objective, meaning they're true, whether or not we fully grasp them. When you have moments in your walk that you feel like a failure and that you are under God's condemnation, you need to preach the gospel to yourself and review what God has said is true about our justification in Christ. And we're going to work through this together. I'm going to get I'm going to get practical with you, right? I want to get a better grasp of this and what it practically looks like in our day-to-day lives. So obviously, I love the word practically. Okay. So, a good day, bad day scenario. I want to address this and we're calling it the good day, bad day. And this is an example that came from Jerry Bridges' most excellent book that I recommend, The Disciplines of Grace. I think it's one that every believer should read along with The Holiness of God by R.C. Sprawl. I think those are two really good ones. But this was one that was so helpful to me. And I know this is one that we can all relate to. And the purpose of working through this is I want us to see after after we've just we've just thoroughly gone through the gospel together, right? And we are continually reminded that God's blessing doesn't depend in any way on our performance. God's blessing comes to us through Christ. But we can sometimes have a mindset that if I do this right or that right, I'm going to earn God's favor or receive blessings. If you're in Christ, you already have God's favor and blessing. So let me throw two scenarios by you. Let's look at a good day. So our good day. 
you wake up, you get your coffee, like you wake up on time, your alarm goes off and you actually get out of bed and you don't hit snooze 150 times and oversleep. So you wake up on time, you get your coffee and get all snuggled in your area and you have your quiet time in the word and prayer with the Lord and no little kids woke up that morning and you had your good quiet time alone. You get your family breakfast, you start school with the kids or you take the kids to school, whatever whatever your day looks like. And really, your whole day just falls into place beautifully. And at the end of the day, a neighbor stops by and you have an opportunity to share the gospel with her. As you start to talk, you pray silently and you ask the Lord to help you share with her and work in her heart. Well, just what a perfect day that was. Hmm? A bad day. This is totally opposite the first, all right? You wake up late. This was the day you hit the snooze 150 times. Now you got no time in the word and prayer. The kids are up. The house is crazy. You realize you don't have milk for breakfast and you don't have a backup plan. You're short with the kids. You're dealing with a lot of guilt over your day by the end of it. The doorbell rings and the neighbor stops by and you have an opportunity to share the gospel with her. Would you enter into it the same way as you did the prior day? What would your level of confidence be on the good day versus the bad day? Do you believe that God can bless you in the midst of what you would consider a bad spiritual day? Reminder again, God's blessing does not depend on our performance. And I want to share something because I didn't put this in here and I'm just thinking about another reminder again. God is sovereign. God ordains all our days and every moment. And our Romans 8.28, God works all things out for good, right? To those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Okay, now I'm going to move on with the rest of my notes here. But I want to work through this a little bit more. Let's take the bad day. We need to go back to the cross and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Confess areas of sin to the Lord, but be reminded of Romans 8.1. There's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You, at that moment, are reminded that it's only because of Jesus' suffering the punishment you deserve that you're enabled to share the gospel with this neighbor. Jerry Bridges reminds us that God's grace through Christ is greater than our sin, even on our seemingly what we would consider worst days. Charles Spurgeon used to pray one sentence before he entered the pulpit. I love this. He prayed Luke 8, 13, God be merciful to me, a sinner. That about covers it. I could probably just stop the podcast right here, right? And just be done. But I'm going to keep moving, all right? Because I'm keeping moving for myself on this one. <laughs> I'm enjoying and I'm gaining much from going through this again. It's just solidifying this in my own mind, ladies. When I forget, I get caught up in that good day, bad day. I am the little Pharisee at heart. Okay, so also of importance to understand. If we look at our good day, we can begin to think that God works only through those who have done, um, how do I say that, what we think are good or have done things that we think seem pleasing to the Lord, right? But then when I do that, how good is good enough? Are we basing that because we're so disciplined with our morning routine or our Bible reading or study? Um, because you're even, you know, think things we can, oh, we can turn Things that are good things, I mean, they are helpful and good things, but we can turn them into the gospel. So like I said, our, our Bible time and our Bible study, and maybe we do get up and exercise, and maybe we stop and pray throughout our day. And But what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here, we're starting to get a little self-righteous in our thinking, and are we sensing a little Phariseeism because all of a sudden God isn't the standard, we're the standard. 
We can't reach the standard of perfection that Jesus did. We can't do it. The reminder of this scenario is that no matter our performance, we need to be reminded, this is so important, that we are fully reliant on God's grace, that it is his undeserved favor on those who deserve his wrath. I know the question of obedience is going through your mind here because the little Pharisee in me is doing that, right? I want to quote Jerry Bridges from his book. I want to just lay out what he said. Does the fact that God has forgiven us all our sins mean that he no longer cares whether we obey or disobey? Not at all. The scripture speaks of our grieving the Holy Spirit through our sins, Ephesians 4.30. And Paul prayed that we may please God in every way, Colossians 1.10. We grieve God and we please God. Clearly, he cares about our conduct and will discipline us when we refuse to repent of conscious sin. But please hear this. In Christ, God is no longer our judge. Through Christ, he is now our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father, ladies, I love that, who disciplines us only out of love and only for our good. If God's favor to us were based on our performance, we're in trouble because even our best days are flawed with sin. We don't always have pure motives and really in some way we're always looking out for ourselves. My favorite quote of Jerry Bridges is, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace and your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. And he continues, Every day of our Christian experience should be a day of relating to God on the basis of his grace alone. We are not only saved by grace, but we also live by grace every day. So how do we make it practical? How do we preach the gospel to ourselves? What does a gospel-focused day look like? And why do we need to preach it to ourselves? Galatians 3.10 says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. The word, quote, all there in Galatians 3.10 is without exception. Instead of being justified, we're under a curse if we're relying on the works of the law to save us. God requires a score of 100% and anything less is a fail. There's no curve here. I'm reminding us because I know, again, I'm so prone to do this in my own thinking. I am that little Pharisee at heart, and it's why I need that reminder of the gospel. I'm a great little rule follower. I have been since a child. I like to please people, and I'm pretty compliant, um, although I'm kind of stubborn too, so as I'm saying that. But as a kid, I was pretty compliant, and I was a little rule follower, and I wanted to please people, and I wanted people to be proud of me, and all those things. And those little habits carry over now still. I'm, I still battle those that thinking because we tend to live by works and forget that we are saved by grace. We like to think that we can earn God's favor by our obedience. And when we do this, we're going to fall into areas that cause us problems, we're going to fall into that self-righteous camp, thinking things like, look at me, I practice the spiritual disciplines, and I evangelize others, and I never miss a day of Bible reading, et cetera, et cetera. We can go on and on and on here. Fill it in with whatever you would put on your list as you're thinking through that. We're all like the, the, the older brother. All right, so I have God's favor, or we may find ourselves in the sensitive conscience camp. When I said that, I meant like Bible reading, et cetera. We're thinking those things, and we're thinking that because we do all those things, we have God's favor. 
Or on the other spectrum, we may find ourselves in the sensitive conscience camp and think that we can never do enough to earn God's favor. We cannot leave the gospel behind or our relationship with God will fall into a performance-based one. That is our default. We need to learn to live in the gospel every day and learn to work out the results of the gospel in our everyday lives. Okay, so what does it look like to preach the gospel to ourselves? I have an older post at the blog called How to Preach the Gospel to Yourself. I'm going to link to that. And I also have one on the Good Day, Bad Day performance. I'll link to that too. I don't know that that's the title of it. I'm just, I don't remember the title. And I and I share a couple of quotes from Jerry Bridges that he's written on the importance of daily preaching the gospel to yourself. So I want to, um, I'm going to share those here with you, but they will be in those posts that I'm sharing the links to. You're just, I'm just got you linking all over here. You're just going to, if you want more info, you can be reading this all day. All right. So when you set yourself, this is Jerry Bridges. When you set yourself to seriously pursue holiness, you will begin to realize what an awful sinner you are. And if you are not firmly rooted in the gospel and have not learned to preach it to yourself every day, you will soon become discouraged and will slack off in your pursuit of holiness. And he continues, he says, to preach the gospel to yourself then means that you continually face up to your own sinfulness and then flee to Jesus through faith in his shed blood and righteous life. It means that you appropriate again by faith the fact that Jesus fully satisfied the law of God, that he is your propitiation and that God's holy wrath is no longer directed to you. I'm thankful for Jerry Bridges, how he shares even more in his book, Respectable Sins, how he preaches the gospel to himself every day. And I'm, I want to share his example as a starting place for us. It, it isn't meant to just copy this in your life, but it helps to give us an idea of what it might look like. And you can kind of ponder and pray about that in your own life as you're spending time in the word and prayer. But I love the practical. There's that word again. I love the practical. So I want to throw a few more examples by you. All right. This is taken from his book, Respectable Sins. So he says, since the gospel is only for sinners, I, so this is Jerry Bridges, I begin each day with the realization that despite my being a saint, I still sin every day in thought, word, deed, and motive. If I am aware of any subtle or not so subtle sins in my life, I acknowledge those to God. Even if my conscience is not indicting me for conscious sins, I still acknowledge to God that I have not even come close to loving him with all my being or loving my neighbor as myself. I repent of those sins, and then I apply specific scriptures that assure me of God's forgiveness to those sins that I have just confessed. I then generalize the scripture's promises of God's forgiveness to all my life and say to God words to the effect that my only hope of a right standing with him that day is Jesus's blood shed for my sins and his righteous life lived on my behalf. This reliance on the twofold work of Christ for me is beautifully captured in Edward Mote by Edward Mote in his hymn, The Solid Rock, with his words, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He says, almost every day I find myself going to those words in addition to reflecting on the promises of forgiveness in the Bible. What scriptures do I use to preach the gospel to myself? Here are just a few that Jerry Bridges chooses from each day. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43.25, 
I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 4, 7-8 Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Romans 8, 1, one we should all have memorized, right? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says there are many others, including Psalm 133-4, Isaiah 1.18, Isaiah 38.17, Micah 7.19, Ephesians 1.7, Colossians 2.13-14, Hebrews 8.12, and Hebrews 10.17-18. Whatever scriptures we use to assure us of God's forgiveness, we must realize that whether the passage explicitly states it or not, the only basis for God's forgiveness is the blood of Christ shed on the cross for us. As the writer of Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's Hebrews 9.22. And the context makes it clear that it is Christ's blood that provides the objective basis on which God forgives our sins. So some other thoughts Ladies, just in my own thinking here, how to help us um, focus on and let our minds and hearts be overwhelmed with Jesus' sacrificial love and grace and mercy, because we must never move beyond these truths and think they are only for new believers. We need to take the time to relearn them over and over and over again. So spend time reviewing or memorizing verses that remind us of the gospel. Here is the list that I have, and I keep it in my, my Prayer Mate prayer app. So one, one section, one of my lists in my Prayer Mate app, and I talk a little bit more about that in the Spiritual Discipline series, the one specifically on prayer. But one of my categories is focusing on the gospel when I pray to bring my heart back to that. So I have on there 2 Corinthians 5.21, I have Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 34, Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6, Romans 3, 23 to 26, Romans 5, 6 through 11, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, and Galatians 2.21. Take the time to thank the Lord during your prayer time that you can come before him confidently and boldly because of the work of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Pour truths of the gospel into your children during the day. Guys, read. There's a helpful book, I think, for parents called Show Them Jesus by Jack Klumpenhauer. Um, Take the time to read gospel-focused books yourself. There's some good ones out there. And if I think about it, I will try to link some in the show notes for you. Listen to music that focuses on the gospel. Sovereign Grace Ministries has some great ones out there. Obviously, the Gettys do, Keith and Kristen Getty. Um... Our old hymns are great places to turn, and the Grace Hymnal from Grace Community Church out um, in Southern California, John MacArthur's Church, has a great hymnal out there. You can pick up yourself and work through those songs. Those are great songs to sing through and to, but Sovereign Grace Ministries has a specific CD out on. It's called The Cross-Centered Life that has you singing the gospel to yourself all day, and the gospel song is a favorite on it, and it's a good one for your children, too. Um, City of Light is another music resource I highly recommend. Continue to be a student of the gospel. Never be content in your knowledge of it, but continue to grow more and more in the grace and knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. 
Ladies, we can never unearth all the many facets of the gospel and its application to our lives on a daily basis. We will never do it in our lifetime. Listen to sermons free online that are cross-centered. Sermon audio is a great place to go for that. Spend time studying in Romans and Galatians. Pick up a good commentary um, to aid you in your reading. Ask your pastor what he recommends. Matthew Henry's is a great commentary and it's free online. Take the time when you're reading God's word to see the gospel. The more you take the time to notice, the more you're going to see how God's word points to the coming Savior. And before we close, I want to take a few moments to talk about the day-to-day issues that come up within our homes and how we respond to them. Because our desire is to look at all of life through a gospel lens as believers. And this doesn't always come naturally to us. It's not the pattern most of us have been raised with. I know it's not for me. I have shared before, I didn't come to faith in Christ until my mid-30s. I came with a lot of habits and a lot of issues. I still have a lot of issues, but we won't go there. But I'm going to give a mom example. And what I'm going to give below in looking at this practically, you can fill in with any relationship here. Think of your spouse or a close friend. But I'm just thinking here as moms, we have a lot of moments that we probably don't respond very rightly to our kiddos. So let's say you have just sinfully yelled at your child. So in that moment, admit to him or her that you have reacted sinfully. And usually for me, the sign of anger comes out of a selfish heart. I'm, it's messing with my time, my schedule, whatever it is. It's, it's, a, it's a selfish heart. But you need to discern your own reasoning. Admit the sin and confess and repent of it to the Lord. It is at this moment that you remind yourself of what Jesus has done for you. Be reminded of God's goodness and grace to you through Christ. And now you can see yourself rightly as Jesus sees you. This is so important, ladies to see ourselves as Christ sees us. Our identity as believers is in Christ. We're not identified by our anger, but in Christ, we're defined by the righteousness of Christ. Remember we talked about that we need a perfect 100% on God's test? Well, we fail at it all the time, but because of Christ, God has granted us a perfect passing grade. Everything that Christ has, I love this part, everything that Christ has is yours if you're in him. God has enabled you and me to be patient with your children or your spouse or a difficult relationship and to speak kindly to them. You can forgive much because you've been forgiven much. I don't know what this looks like for you, but I'm hoping you're getting the idea it doesn't take much time and the results are eternal. So it is so important to take the time to understand the importance of seeing all of life through a gospel lens. And as I'm saying this, when we're talking about our children, picture with me, ladies, what a perfect time this is to share the gospel with your children in that moment for them to see the goodness and the grace of God being worked out in your own life. That is a very powerful example in those moments of our own sin as we're confessing it to the Lord, seeking our kids' forgiveness, seeking God's forgiveness, and working through that with them. So let's work through another big problem we have as women. Not all of us, but a lot of us. And it's gossip. Have you ever gossiped about someone? Have you wronged a fellow image bearer? 
And the reason we usually do this is because when we find ourselves comparing ourselves to others or putting others down, it's to make ourselves look better. We're in denial of the gospel in that moment. First off, we're not loving our friend. We need to recognize it as a sin. We need to repent, make amends that we need to, and apologize and seek forgiveness where it's needed. Repent, seek God's forgiveness. Tell the Lord you don't want to do that anymore. You want to use your words to build up and encourage. At that moment, remind yourself of the goodness of the gospel again. You're not identified by the words you just spoke, but your identity is in Christ. The beauty of the gospel is we deserve judgment, but because of Jesus, we receive grace. Because of Jesus, I'm able to speak loving and kind words. My words can bear the fruit of the Spirit, and I can have self-control over my words. I have so much to give thanks to Him for. So ponder, what are ways or areas of your life that you need to be mindful to preach the gospel in? God works all things for good, even our sinful moments. So when you've sinned, stop and take a moment to make things right and point your heart back, to, heart back to the gospel. Think about the good day, bad day scenarios and be reminded in the midst of both of those days, you need to be reminded of the gospel before you think too highly of yourself or before you're condemning yourself. If there's habitual sins that you struggle with, persevere in preaching the gospel to yourself daily. Ask the Lord in his time and his way to make it real to you and to remove this sin pattern from your life. I can attest that by daily working through those areas with the Lord, mentally, eventually, mentally and prayerfully, right? Eventually our hearts do catch up. We need to persevere with the Lord and not just give up the battle because it is a spiritual battle. So how do we see life, all of life, through a gospel lens? When our hearts and our minds are saturated in the gospel, it's hard to want to fall into various sins of pride or discontentment or selfishness. When your heart is filled with thankfulness for what God has done for us through Jesus there's much comfort for me in Hebrews 13, 5. And the second part of that verse is one I repeat to myself often. He will never leave me or forsake me. He is with me always. We have work to do on this earth and God has given us work to do, but it is always dependent on God enabling us to do it. He gives us the power and life and resources. Jesus enables me to be able to love my neighbor when they're not so lovable and to be kind to my husband and children when they're not being so kind. Ladies, our lives here on this temporal earth are always going to be one of growth. It seems the more we grow, the more we see the need to grow. The football analogy comes to my mind here. It's like God keeps moving the goalpost. So we can take life on this earth one day at a time. Matthew 6.33 is a good reminder for us. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Just do what God puts before you faithfully one day at a time. The gospel allows us to be honest with ourselves, with God, and with others. We can call sin what it is and know that Jesus bore in the body, in his body on the cross. We have been granted total forgiveness of our sins through Christ. We don't have to hide anymore. That is true freedom. Jesus perfectly lived in my place. I am forgiven. 
I am clothed with the righteousness of Christ. God sees me through Jesus and he is pleased with me. Paul wrote that Christ died that we should no longer live for ourselves. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. What was it that compelled or motivated Paul to live for Christ? And I'm going to share that with you in Jerry Bridges' words here. He says, Notice, though, what compelled or motivated Paul in such a strong manner. It was not a continual challenge to be more disciplined or more committed or more holy. Rather, it was his constant heartfelt awareness of Christ's love for him. It was not the thought that I ought to do this or that, or a feeling of guilt for not doing something that motivated Paul. Rather, it was his overwhelming sense of Christ's love for him that spurred him on. We believers do need to be challenged to a life of committed discipleship, but that challenge needs to be based on the gospel, not on duty or guilt. Duty or guilt may motivate us for a while, but only a sense of Christ's love for us will motivate us for a lifetime. May we continue to live, and that's the end quote there. Friends, may we continue to live lives that are saturated in the gospel. May the Holy Spirit flood our hearts with an understanding of God's love to us in Christ, and may this compel us to live for him. Galatians 6.14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 4, 7 through 8, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. I want to close our time together today in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you don't count our sin against us because you already counted it against Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help our hearts and minds to be saturated with the truths of the gospel so they will not turn to the right or to the left, but always be focused on you and your goodness to us through the gospel. To God be all the honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ladies, I'm going to close as my husband always reminds me, and it's a reminder I need, Jesus is enough always. So I pray, friend, that your next days and weeks and months and years will be gospel-focused until the Lord calls us home. Thank you so much for your time today, and I pray you all have a very blessed week, my dear friends. 